0: Sean Jay, Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.
1: Alan Hahn in for Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. Key here with me, Aaron Judge with the Yankees. And big time yesterday with the walk-off home run against the Astros to preserve what now is a split-the-series, a four-game set that he started with a walk-off win and ended with a walk-off win. And in between, the Yankees were no hit for like 16 innings, which is insane. But that's the way the weekend went. So you feel like there's the anxiety of 53 wins and you got to get to October and you got to face this team. And can you finally beat the Astros? That'd be nice. But there's also, well, Aaron Judge and the Yankees settled. That's a good sign, right? They settled in arbitration. They didn't go to arbitration. They settled 19 million plus incentives for this year. So they're already reaching an agreement, right? That means good things for coming up, you know. When, he, when it comes time to pay him at the end of this season and quite the season he's having, he wants to get paid like he is what he is right now, which is one of the best players in the league. So as you heard there, and we'll just play for you again if you missed it, Aaron Judge, after the game, asked a question about having the agreement with the Yankees for this season, the settlement. That means maybe there's some hope that you'll be able to get something done in the fall and remain a Yankee forever. And his response Was a little
2: cold. Give you any more confidence that the next deal, the big deal, will get done, seeing that they met in the middle here?
0: Uh, no. Uh, you know, we got this one done, and I was
3: happy about that.
1: Just happy about that. This one done. Happy about that. And Key says, because he knows he's already got other options, and he's not worried about anything. And him being this way, which is monotone in the relationship towards the Yankees. Should concern the Yankees. Let's go to the calls at 888 say ESPN, 888 3776. You know, Alan, yeah. if,
4: if he didn't hit another home run the rest of the year, yeah. there's somebody that would take that 28 and pay him for those 28. He knows that. If he didn't hit a home run the rest of the year, there's a team out there that take that 28 with no problem and pay him what the Yankees already offered him. You do know that, right?
1: I, I have been saying this over and over again. Aaron Judge's value is not something that in arbitration you just throw numbers on a table and say, this is what you're worth. That's ridiculous because of what he is to fans, what he is to kids, what he is for the sport, the way he sells it, his transcendent personality. It is There is no player in the sport that can be marketed like he can to promote the sport. So I agree with you, Key. Like, people say, well, what if he gets hurt? I don't care. For for a quarter of the season, for a third of the season, I have seen this guy play like the best player in the sport. He's worth it to me. Let's go to Jeff in Queens. Jeff. Jeff? Is he there?
0: Is Jeff there?
1: You've had some Uh, fun with the call. I'm here.
0: I'm sorry. There he is, Jeff. I'm Big fan. I'm sorry. Uh, My comparison is to... Any ball player that the Yankees have gotten at the same age, between 28 and 30, right? Uh, you don't pay for, if you're if you're a, uh, owner, an owner, you don't pay for what the player has done. You pay for what the, you think they're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. And at his height, his age, and his injuries, compare him to any other Yankee at that age, 30, there, there's no comparison. He's worth what he got, which is nineteen. Uh compare him to Mike Trout. Mike Trout at thirty years old. You're talking about a three time MVP, nine time all star. Like I would rather have Mike Trout with his uh groin injury than uh freaking judge at, at at any level. Because I know that Mike Trout, you rest him. You're gonna, you're gonna uh, make him heal, and he's gonna produce for you for Is a he... longer period of time after thirty than Jeff. Uh, Judge. It's Jeff. absolutely true. Jeff, question. True. I mean, question. you just compare. Jeff, question for you. Question for
1: you. Real quick. Question. How many ALCS appearances does Mike Trout have with all of his greatness and MVPs? Not even World Series. How many ALCS appearances does Mike Trout have? Zero. Yeah, that's that's the correct answer, Key. Zero. So you would take a player whose production does not not turn into winning. You're going to take a player who doesn't sell your franchise off the field at all, and you're already paying him $400 million. You'll take him, oft injured, not really marketable, doesn't lead to winning, not really a great leader. And you're going to take him over the guy who's already been to two ALCSs, has performed in the postseason, is a face of your franchise sells the sport in the biggest market, but you're going to take the other guy and his oft injured groin and everything else over the guy who's six seven. I'm not. Uh, I, there's no chance I'm doing that. But you're going to do I, it, Jeff.
4: I'm not touching it. I think when you look at when you look at players we in sports, there's certain players in sports. Everything they do translates to winning. Mookie Betts was in Boston. They won. He goes yep. to the Dodgers. They win. I don't yep. care if they were already a winning team. They, they win. It doesn't yep. matter to me. If you take Max Scherzer and put him on, they win. Or you take Verlander and put it. they win. I don't care how they win. They win. And that's what you look for. I don't care about all the, he's the best baseball player I've seen since Babe Ruth. I wasn't born when Babe Ruth was around, so I don't know. I don't know what that is. But I do know what I see in Aaron Judge. And I do know that he's worth every penny and then some based on many factors, his play on the field, his health, his ability to to put butts in the seats, his ability to be the face of Major League Baseball. Yes, he's big. He's noticeable. But that's all part of it. I have no idea who Mike Trout is. And I live in L.A. I, I really don't.
1: That's ridiculous.
4: I don't. I he could be standing next to me at Starbucks. I'll be like, hey man, you look very athletic. Well he doesn't
1: <laughs> he doesn't play in LA, he plays in Anaheim. Let's Same thing.
4: I Can go you, to Orange County a lot. Didn't wouldn't know who he is.
1: I was gonna ask you to explain that to everybody else. Like, is are the Angels like the Brooklyn Nets? Is it like yeah. that or is it much further? Like if or is it like when the Nets were in New Jersey?
4: It's like when the Nets were in Jersey.
1: Because it's not the White Sox and the Cubs, because they're both in the same city, just opposite sides of the city. They're both in the same city. Yeah, it's not
4: like that. It's it's like the Nets and the Knicks when the Nets were in In Jersey. Jersey. The Angels are about 50 minutes south of L.A., plus or minus. Plus or minus. And the fan base is way different. It's a different, cleaner, kind of like, you know, it's just a different fan base. Well, you they're go called there called the with, angels. You go it's there with angelic. blankets and sit there. You, <laughs> right. and it's a different feel than the Dodgers. You know, it's 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 a different right. feel.
1: It's not Clippers Lakers either. Like one thing, one thing that we yeah, can say it's is, Clipper,
4: it's 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 more Clipper Laker. Well, how is it? Because the
1: Clippers at least are in the same building, like the Jets and Giants. Yeah, like, but I'm it, trying to think of teams that share a market or a building. The Jets Rams and Chargers, the same building.
4: Rams Chargers. It's like that. Okay. Even though they share the same building, nobody in LA really roots for the Angels. The Angels have their own pocket, which is basically Orange County. And that's it. Nobody up in LA is like, nah, man, that's not it's not real baseball.
1: Well, I was thinking the Chargers might be the same way. At least the Rams have some history in LA. The Chargers are basically a San Diego based
4: Friendship, well, they were the right? Los Angeles Chargers way back when. Wait,
1: oh, come on, man. Like, and yeah. then
4: they became the San Diego Chargers. Now they're the LA Chargers again. They got a little bit of a a little bit of a San Diego Orange County fan base, but not strong LA ties.
1: Right. But if I'm baseball, I'm kind of realizing that Mike Trout's never gonna be what I need him to be. But Aaron Judge can be that.
5: Are you Aaron worried Judge that he's is six that.
1: seven? Like is that is that what it is? Well, he's so big. You know. He'll, he'll A body like his is going to break down. You're assuming that he
4: just physically. But you're not paying him for years six, seven, eight, nine. Of course not. So you, you're you not paying him for those years. So if he breaks, that's just not. It's just the price I, of I, doing yeah, business. I hate that narrative.
1: I, I agree, Key. I hate that narrative. Let's bring in Tim Kirkshin, who joins us right now, ESPN baseball analyst, who spent the weekend with the Yankees and the Astros, a very interesting weekend it certainly was. And and Tim, first of all, good morning. Second of all, we just had a caller who's from from Queens of all places, so you wonder what his affiliation is. But he, he said he would trade Aaron Judge for Mike Trout. He feels like Mike Trout is just the better player, the better value. What do you think of that?
2: Well, Mike Trout's a better player than Aaron Judge. He's had a better career than Aaron Judge. Mike Trout's one of the greatest players most people have ever seen. Um, he hasn't had a better year than Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is having a transcendent season. So there's not going to be a trade between those two. One sign long-term, the other free agent. But if you're asking me who's a better baseball player, uh, Mike Trout has had a better career. And this year, Aaron Judge has been a better baseball player than pretty much anyone. Hmm.
4: But would you trade? Mike Trout for Aaron Judge, like right at now. This
2: moment. No, no, I would not trade Mike Trout for anyone. He's the best player in the game, and as great as Aaron Judge is, and there's nothing bad to be said about Aaron Judge, I would not trade Mike Trout for Aaron Judge.
4: See, I can't, I can't get into these conversations with Tim, and the reason I can't is because Tim looks at it totally different than me. Mm -hmm. I don't care that that Mike Trout is the best player in baseball and his whip is this and his ERA is that and he hits 900 home (laughs) runs. I don't care. Has he taken a team and put them on his back when it mattered most? That's all I care about. That's all I care about, man.
2: All right. Well, Keith, you you know this. This is baseball. This is not basketball where LeBron James touches it and – and Steph Curry touches it on every possession. A basketball player can clearly affect the outcome of a game and a team way more than a baseball player can. A football quarterback and a wide receiver, whoa did you play key? They can have much more of an impact on the sport because the ball is coming their way all the time, whereas much better any great baseball player. He might get four at-bats in a game. He might not get a fly ball. They might not even pitch to him three out of four times. So um, you can't blame Mike Trout for the Angels not going to the playoffs because they don't have very good pitching. They haven't had very good pitching for a long time, and that's the reason they've gone, not because he was incapable of carrying them.
4: Yeah, hit more home runs, Tim. That's all I say. So, look, what a weekend, what a weekend in New York. Let's start with Aaron Judges' walk-off Home run. How important was that? Given the Yankees getting the split with the Astros.
2: Well, the Yankees. (laughs) The Yankees have played seventy-three games now, and they have ten walk-off wins. Think about that. That's unbelievable. Since in the last forty years, the only other team that had as many as ten walk-off wins before we got to July was the two thousand Royals. So it's been remarkable how the Yankees have played, and to come back after being no hit on Saturday and then no hits through the first five innings of of yesterday's game to come back and win the way that they did and to have Judge deciding it again, his second walk-off hit in the series, is just another reminder that something really special is going on in the Bronx right now. My dad used to tell me, when you see enough... Strange things happen to a team. You have to start to recognize maybe something's going on here. And I think that is clearly the case with the Yankees, who have been the best team in baseball this year, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, there's something about, right, when you start seeing that magic, you start believing in it. But, Tim, talk with Tim there There is also something about New York fans who haven't seen the Yankees even get to a World Series in over a decade, which they're not used to that. And then there's this anxiety to a start like this. You might think it's crazy, but I share with you my own anxiety of, okay, this is an amazing start, but if they can't win in October, it really isn't going to matter. And that's a true feeling that a lot of fans have. And then you have the concern about Aaron Judge, who's playing so well this year. And I found it interesting that when – all right, so you meet in the middle on the arbitration deal. You get some incentives at 19 million. So you feel like okay, you work something out before we getting to arbitration. But when he was asked if it, you know, maybe that means something, some confidence then that they'll get to a deal in the fall, his response was no. What do you make of that?
2: Well, this is a very tricky situation when you don't get a guy signed long-term and then the rules are set that you're not going to sign him during the season and he's going to go to free agency. So did it help that they didn't have a hearing? I think it helped. Yes, absolutely. You don't want to have a hearing in the middle of a season and go into a room and tell everyone that the best player in the game this year um, it has flaws here and there. It doesn't make any sense. So... This is going to set up for a fascinating situation after the season. Let, let's just say Judge hits 62 homers, the Yankees win the World Series. How, how in the world are you going to justify not bringing him back? And yet he's 30 years old. He's got, you know, a, a history of injuries. He's a big man whose body, in, in theory, could break down. It's a hard game to play, period, especially when you're playing every day. At six seven two eighty two, but I think the Yankees have to do everything they can to get him re-signed. And he bet on himself and said, "I'm better than a seven-year two hundred thirteen million dollar extension." And we'll see where this goes. But it's a it's a really interesting spot.
4: Tim, it, it, it help me understand something about Major League Baseball that that I don't know. Because you've been covering this game forever and you've seen all size, shapes, colors of players that have come in and out of this league. You mentioned his size just now, right? And I've heard this recurring theme here over the last month or so. His size, his size is going to wear down, he's going to wear down. Why do people feel that way because he's 6'7"?
2: Well, the history of Guy's Key six, six and taller. Let's use that arbitrary number as a really tall big man. Six, six and taller, it's it's about five guys in major league history, position players who have been really, really good. I mean, that's Dave Winfield and Daryl Strawberry and Frank Howard and Richie Sexton and now and now Aaron Judge. It's just not a game built for a man that size, it, it you want it. the perfect size is Willie Mays. Willie Mays was five eleven, short armed, incredible strength in his hand. You look at Hank Aaron. You look at a lot of the great players of all time. They're not six foot seven. That's that's why Aaron Judge, as basically the biggest position player ever, has his work cut out for him because it's just not a game built for a really tall player. But he's such a great athlete. I mean, he could have played football. He could have played basketball. He chose baseball. And that great athleticism shows off every day with the way he runs, the way he plays center field, and, of course, the way he swings the bat.
1: Talking with Tim Kirksen here on Keyshawn J. Will and Max. Alan Hahn in with Key ESPN Radio. Tim, we saw one of the more – I want to say entertaining in a way, but definitely unique brawls in baseball that we've seen in a long time between the Mariners and the Angels, something that both sides feel started when speaking of Mike Trout on Saturday night when a pitch sailed above Mike Trout's head and he got angry about that. And then Scott Service, the, manager's, uh, ma- uh, the Mariners manager, accused the Angels of changing their starters, going with an opener who then proceeds to just throw at his players. And I want you to, Please react to what Phil Nevin said afterwards to Scott Service's uh, accusations.
4: No, I mean, look, you play eight, eight games in a matter of a week against the same team. Um, you know, things like this happen. I mean, the scheduling, um, you, know, I, you know, tensions just, you know, that's, that's baseball sometimes. Unfortunately, there's some ugly incidences once in a while. And, and I think that's just what
2: happened today.
1: Is this one of those that's baseball moments?
2: Yeah, unfortunately it is, and unfortunately it is two frustrated, underachieving teams who went at each other, and, you know, the bottom line here is this is not a good look for baseball, it's not a good look for either one of these teams, but when Mike Trout, the best player in the game, gets thrown, he didn't get, I don't know if there was any intent, I don't think there was, but he, ball went really close to his head on Saturday night, and then a really Uh, Then Julio Rodriguez, one of the best rookies in the game with an enormous future. One goes near his head. That's going to lead to all sorts of problems in baseball. And I actually like it that that teams stick up for each other and stick up for their own guys and are not going to allow you to throw at their guys. But there's a way to do it, and you don't do it up near the head. Now, I covered the Orioles for a million years, and Earl Weaver used to say, whatever you do, don't throw at anyone. Whatever you do, don't get in a fight. Because guys are going to get suspended, and our guys are better than their guys, and we're going to lose in that exchange. Hmm. So here are two teams that need to win all the time just to make the playoffs this year, and a bunch of them are now going to be hamstrung because of suspensions, which are upcoming.
1: Have you ever seen anyone throw a whole box of sunflower seeds onto the field for any reason?
2: Uh, No, I've seen bats thrown on the field. I've seen all sorts of things. I'm just not sure I've ever seen sunflower seeds tossed on the field, especially by the closer. That was kind of odd, too. So it was a very odd day yesterday. And again, this is frustrated teams, tempers boiling, not a good look. And let's just thank goodness that nobody really got hurt with a hit by pitch.
4: Tim, I, I want to I change the game of baseball some. I want to put implement a rule in there where you're punished, not just kicked out of a game for doing something, but your team is punished. So, for instance, if if you're the relief pitcher that throws the sunflower seeds on the field, it becomes a delay of game. Now I may just, next time that opponent is up to bat, I may just stick them on second base. Or I may just dock you where you don't have three outs, you only get two outs when your team is up to bat. That's what major foul. baseball needs to do.
2: Uh, okay, I <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. P. I, I well, they don't want to say. change. Look, it's going to be punish. It's going to be punishment enough when you lose games with with key players on your team, and tempers should not have have exploded quite like they did but I, I don't think i think we've got enough putting a runner at second base for no reason when we start the 10th inning in a tie game i don't think we need to do that any other time in the game
1: i think well, we gave tim a headache today key i really that's okay.
2: do.
4: I, I think well, we gave yeah. a
1: terrible headache
4: <laughs> trying try to change the game of baseball i dare you Keyshawn.
1: <laughs> between that and and aaron judge and mike trout yeah tim t- them. great to talk to you i guess the next time you see this caller id on your phone you're just not going to answer but we appreciate no, you
2: man i love it fellas this is what <laughs> baseball's about it's, it's a debate sport it's great nice yeah. to talk to you guys yeah uh-huh. all the best yes
1: I, although i get what he's saying about trout but i don't know if i quite articulate or we quite articulated what we meant about the value of a player that you can sell for the sport versus what he is on man. the field and i know it's a lot never of people... it's
4: never his fault I hear that many times over. Uh, It's not his fault. I get it. It's not his fault. But if they were winning, it'd be all him.
1: Oh, that's always how it works. And when he got paid, that was never a question either. All right, well, coming up, a championship was won last night. And wait to hear what their captain said about how other teams can copy their success. It's just that easy. We'll discuss it next. KJM, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app.
5: To get 10% off your first month. That's better help, com slash unsportsmanlike.
3: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. G-Sean, J-Will, and Max, the podcast.
1: It's over! They did it! They did it! The Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions! It's hard to describe. I, I didn't really know what it would be like to actually win it, but it's all worth it now. We never stop believing. This is what every player dreams of. It's just the most amazing feeling you're ever going to get in the end. The Colorado was stronger team, and they deserved it.
6: What's one thing you've always wanted to do with the cup? Just take a picture with the boys.
1: Just get a picture with the boys. Isn't that what it's all about? Keyshawn J. Will and Max presented by Progressive Insurance. Alan Hahn with Key. And we're joined by P.K. Subban, our ESPN hockey analyst, done a great job throughout the playoffs joining us. You see him on Get Up. You see him on all the different shows talking about what a great playoffs this has been and what a finish it was Last night as the Avalanche raised the Stanley Cup for the first time since 2001. PK, how are we doing?
6: I'm doing well, man. Not as well as the Colorado Avalanche are doing right now. <laughs> I'm sure they're still partying. And uh, big, big win last night. And obviously very well-deserved Stanley Cup for, for the Colorado Avalanche.
1: Yeah, I thought it was hilarious after the game when Steve yeah. Levy asked Mark Messier and Chris Chelios <laughs> about, like, you know, when does this sink in? When do they realize it? How do <laughs> When do you feel it? And, like, Chelios is like, in well, three days you don't sleep. So so you'll be thinking about it the whole time. So they're probably banged up this morning, but never felt better. But I I love all the different things we heard after the game. I want you, PK, to listen to what uh, Colorado's captain, Gabriel Landeskog, said uh, after the game. Because we know in all sports, you know this in the NFL as well, we see it in all sports, is that teams are copycat teams. All right, wait, what's this team doing? It's a little different. How can we do what they're doing? So Emily Kaplan asked Landeskog, how other teams can copy the Avalanche.
6: Find a Kale McCarr somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, listen, Joe and C-Mac have done a great job of picking up some pieces along
1: the way that that really, really made us hard to play against. All right, PK, you're a defenseman. Sure, it's so easy. Just find a Kale McCarr.
6: Yeah, this 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 guy's special. And, uh, you know, I, I think that... To to really do Kale McCarr, uh, you know, the service of, of that he provides the game and the entertainment that he provides fans watching the game, is, is you have to go out and watch him play. You you got to learn the game to really understand how good this guy is and what he's able to do on the ice. Uh, there's been very few, if any, defensemen to ever play this game that have been able to do what he does at 23 years old. You know, when you think of Calder Trophy, Norris Trophy, and now you know Conn Smythe you know, in the first three years of his career, that's that's greatness. And it's funny because, uh, you know, I uh, during the pandemic, I actually took a lot of time to catch up on TV because I never watch TV. I never watch Netflix. I never watch any of that stuff. Maybe on the road when I'm on a road trip, I'll, I'll tune into some shows. But when I'm at home, I, I, I rarely sit down and, and actually watch TV. And, you know, I just like everybody else, I tune into the to the last dance documentary with Michael Jordan. Mm. And I always remember in like the first or second episode when he was like rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, MVP, MVP of the all-star game at a very young age. And I'm not trying to compare Kale McCart to Michael Jordan, but in terms of greatness early on in your career, you could definitely say that this is comparable with what this guy's been able to do because he's been so dominant. You know, um, you know, I'd like I can't wait to see the next three years of his career and and the years after that to come, uh, because, you know, you, you wonder what that progression is going to look like. But there's no question he came into the right situation on a great team. But what he's been able to do individually, aside from the players that he plays with every night, has been second to no one and second to probably no defenseman other than maybe Bobby Orr and Nicholas Lidstrom and some of the all time greats to ever play the game.
4: Could could Kale eventually be the best defenseman in, in the history of the game? Potentially.
6: Oh yeah, he's got he's got he's gonna have an opportunity to do that. I don't think you can call him the best defenseman ever play the game now, but in this new age with the way the game is played, and his skating ability, his hockey sense, his skill level, his hockey IQ, his ability to understand what his teammates can do and cannot do and how he adapts to playing with different players. Like, I watch him play. Uh, I watch how he makes everybody better around him. And the reality is, is that he's playing a disciplined game right now. Like, you know, he could open up his game and probably do a lot more offensively, but he wants to win and he's committed to winning, and now he's a winner Three years into his career so does he have an opportunity to to surpass some of the all-time greats, or potentially be the greatest defenseman to ever play the game i think that's a real shot for him to do that but you know he's going to be held accountable to his game now you know now there's a standard set for him that he has to follow and as a pro athlete that's what you want you want people to set the highest expectations for you and he's going to have high expectations from here on in for his game
1: It's Alan Hahn, Keyshawn Johnson with PK Subban talking about the Avalanche. Last night, won the Stanley Cup. They beat the Lightning, who had won the last two Stanley Cups. And PK, I got to be honest, like the seventy-two Miami Dolphins celebrate when you know ever a team doesn't go undefeated for the season. I did take my Islanders mug, put a little tea in it, sip it, and celebrate the fact that yet another team will not do what that franchise did, winning four straight Stanley Cups. And you know, I, I feel like in the in the Salary cap era, it's going to be really difficult to win that many, let alone three in a row. But for the Lightning, when you see what they did, getting back here one more time and taking it to a game six, is this the end for them? Or can you see them coming back and continuing playing for championships?
6: Yeah, I definitely can see them contending for championships. I mean, I think Tampa has been able – and you're talking about Tampa here, right? Are you talking about Tampa or Colorado? The Tampa. The Tampa. Tampa. Yes. No, I I think Tampa still has a core group that 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 can definitely contend. I mean, when you think about Victor Hedman being up for a Norris Trophy, they still have the the best goaltender in the league as far as Vasilevsky go goes. Uh, I think also what what's been a bright spot for them is Steven Stamkos, you know, and how his, how the captain's been playing this offseason season uh, and this season altogether. This is one of his best years that he's put together, and I think he took it personally, you know, with some of the injuries that he's had over the past couple of years to want to elevate his game and really feel a part of this run. And and he led. He led very, very well. Uh Braden Point was banged up. I think that Kucherov was a little bit banged up. Even Hedman Sergachev. So these guys haven't had much recovery time and rest time over the past couple of years. And that's the toll and the price that you pay when you're in the Stanley Cup Finals three years in a row. So I definitely think that they can get back to this Spot again when you consider them being probably the top team in the east still they 'll have an opportunity to do that, but it 's going to take some smart tweaking and and uh, responsibility on the GM and the organization's uh, part to really kind of bring in a couple players to maybe get get them a little bit faster. They have the experience, but they need some youth they need a, a little bit more speed in their lineup I think uh, over the past couple seasons, they've lost that speed, losing, um, you know, uh, Blake Coleman, uh, losing uh, some of the guys on their third and fourth line. Um, uh, man, Barkley Goudreau, you know, yeah. losing him to the Rangers. Um, you know, so they've lost some depth there and some speed. I think they need to add that back into their lineup. You could see that with how fast Colorado was. They're, Colorado's the fastest team in the league, but you could see at times where their speed – dictated the series and the momentum shift in games you know when they would just roll on Tampa four lines and we saw that in the third period last night when Tampa had one shot in the first 12 minutes that's not because Colorado's better it's just Colorado's faster they were on the puck they were fast to check they defended well they took away time and space and that's a difficult thing to do against Tampa Bay who's won two cups in the past three years.
1: Hey, PK, I I said it to you when I saw you at Seaport, and I mean it. I thought you've done a terrific job with the sport, with uh, making sure it gets all the attention and coverage it deserves and articulating it as well as you do. Thanks so much for everything. Appreciate the coverage.
6: All right. Thanks for having me, guys. All right.
1: All right. PK Subban. Again, just the passion that the players have for their sport, but to see it back on ESPN, key Oh, great. Oh, man. To have it back on ESPN is big for the sport. It's huge for the sport. And to have it on ABC last night with the Cup – and the celebration and everything, it was great, certainly great to see. Mm -hmm. All right, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776 for the number and the calls. And coming up, I'm going to tell you what went right and what went wrong for the New York Knicks on draft night. A lot of confusion. I'm going to try to make sense of it, Key. I'm just going to try. That's coming up next on
3: ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience.
1: I thought the, the conversation we had with Tim Kirkshin, and you and I had this earlier, baseball's trying to change up rules and everything, right? They're, they're, they're trying to make the game more appealing, faster, all those things. And you brought up the idea that there really isn't such thing as a technical foul in this sport, right? In the NFL, unsportsmanlike, they throw a flag. Things happen. Your, your team loses yardage. You can lose it down. It's costly to your team, not just to you. In the NBA, you get a technical foul. You can get thrown out of a game. That's two free throws for the other team. You're giving up points to the other team, possession to the other team. It it hurts you, right? In the NHL, when you take a penalty, you go in the box. You have to play one man down for two minutes. Your team has to pay for your transgression. In baseball, you throw a whole box of sunflower seeds onto the field. You have to go home, but nothing happens to your team. I think you have a good idea. That's Maybe idea. we need to come up with a way to punish a team for when a player acts up. Yeah, I don't know. Evan Wilner has an idea.
7: Yeah, so I played in the slow-pitch softball league where extra innings was like a one-pitch thing. And I was thinking like a technical foul in baseball could be one pitch. So like if it's a strike, it's an out. If it's a ball, it's a walk. If it's foul, it's a strike. And if it's in play, it's in play. So it's almost like a bonus swing. You get to put anybody up there you want. Uh, to, to face the pitcher. Whoever's on the mound at the time has to throw the pitch, and it's like a bonus pitch. What do you guys think of that as like a technical foul in baseball, Key? A bonus pitch.
1: So you can take anyone off your bench, even if he's in the lineup, and yep. it doesn't – He just you get one swing, one pitch. What yep. if you foul it off?
7: Foul it off, it's an out. Foul it off, it's an out. It's an out. Yeah. so it's an well, out well, of well, fa- – Hang well, on like, a second. Like, you're, you don't – it doesn't count. Like you get one pitch. Oh, it doesn't out. count it as an actual right, out. It's right. just that's it. So, yeah. so basically, they're going to so be like taking BP. Throw. Yeah, they're going to be taking BP then. Sure, but the pitcher can throw it as fast as he wants.
1: So right. So mm. if you foul it off, it's like missing the free throw. And if you make, if you get a base hit, you get on base and you stay there. Yeah. If you get a but home see, run, it counts as a run.
4: Yes. But that feels like it's slowing the game down.
1: Yeah. Because
4: it does. now, I don't now, know. it's one pitch. I think it's exciting. Oh, well, I got to figure out who I want to swing. What if mm. I get
7: Aaron Judge for Shohei Otani for an extra at-bat every game because of this?
4: Just
8: because someone it. acts up.
7: Like if the manager gets tossed, the other team gets gets a free pitch. Like like maybe the managers would start acting like human beings again.
1: Although I kinda no, love I, the I, savages I, I, in the box moment. I like the
4: I like the guy to get two two outs or put him at second right. base. That'll yeah. calm a lot down. Well, yeah. I like
1: your idea too. No, I like the idea. It's good for a slow-pitch softball league, right? Like, that's great. really was perfect pit- for that. As a
7: pitcher, though, it was nerve-wracking.
1: Yeah, it has to be. But you know what? We all have ideas. Some disappointment in the building when the Knicks traded out of number 11. They made a deal with Oklahoma City. They moved Kemba and his salary. They get three first-round picks next year, but moving Kemba's salary allows them to open up as much as $20 million in cap space. That is significant because with Kemba gone, they don't have a starting point guard.
4: You're in New York City. You have robbed... Fans of a reason to be joyous, the
0: reason to be hopeful for the better part of the last 21 years.
1: Keyshawn J. Will and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. Alan Hahn, hanging with Key today, and it's that portion of the show, Key, where we have to talk about the Knicks. I know how much you love it.
4: Knicks are fine. They're all right.
1: But they don't. They don't are who they them. are,
4: man. They not going. The Knicks aren't going to be an NBA contender anytime soon i don't care who they keep trying to get
1: doesn't bother you does it not at all No, why would did, did, it bother me right, that's what i'm saying so with that in mind though we need to discuss it with someone that has as much information as possible to bring to this conversation especially from draft night which i have found that many Knicks fans remain completely confused about what happened on draft night when the knicks had the 11th overall pick then traded it a little bit further down the board then pick somebody then traded that came away with 3 or 3 future first round draft picks all protected then packaged one of them with Kemba Walker to get a salary dump to get another future first round pick and now they basically walk away with a second round pick and a whole bunch of first round picks and some cap space and a lot of confusion to help us figure this out Monica <laughs> McNutt joins us right now our ESPN basketball analyst who did a tremendous job on ABC on draft night well done, Monica. <laughs> Can you make sense of what the Knicks did?
8: Um, what's up, you Good morning. I'm laughing morning. at you for that whole intro, huh? Because I thought I had a handle on it until you explained it. <laughs> <laughs> Try
1: to keep um, up
8: with it. They um, made a play on the future is the way that I'm looking at this. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure what the play is going to be besides, what is it, like 11 picks over the next four years? And then we'll see what happens on Thursday. That's where right. I'm at.
1: That's what it feels like. It's a lot of it's a lot of draft capital. When people say to me, Monica, that well they're heavily protected picks, so you you're not going to be picking high, or they're not going to. I'm like, you realize that next year when they have four first round picks in the 23 draft, they're not going to make four first round picks like this. Mm-hmm. They basically traded for money for 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 currency mm-hmm. and cap space. The we've all heard Jalen Brunson. Do you feel like mm-hmm. if the Knicks did this so they have the cap space to sign Jalen Brunson and make him their starting point guard, which would replace Kemba Walker, is that an upgrade for this team?
8: Simply put, it's an upgrade for this team, but here's where I am. And I've really enjoyed Jalen Brunson this year. Um, and I've coined the phrase, add water guys, right? Like, I, I is Jalen Brunson an add water guy? in terms of all you need is some pieces around them and go, right? I I just think the idea of plugging the point guard spot and then being like, okay, great, we're good, that to me is a farce and is very scary. Um, I think when you look at the system that Jalen played in, who he played alongside, yes, he gave us an incredible sample size, particularly in the playoffs of what his potential could be, but to me, that Mavericks team is constructed vastly differently than the current Knicks roster. And Mm so, yeah, like, sure, I would love him to be a point guard that can come and someone you can build around. But I think the key for me is building around and adjusting the system that's run here.
4: Monica, I know that it, the, the sexy conversation is Bronson and even to a degree Kyrie Irving for the New York Knicks just because that was floated out there. And many people feel like, oh, Kyrie would never become a Nick because he didn't wasn't going to become a Nick the last time around. But it was a different regime than it is right now. How do you see this Kyrie thing playing out?
8: Please stay far away from Kyrie Irving, Leon Rose, and company. Please, I beg of you. Um, wow. I, I, I just don't want that. Like, the Knicks have enough headaches as is. I don't want that. I don't trust that. That to me, no, bad news. As far as it playing out, Key, I mean, the Damian Lillard Photoshop KD post, like, that's a whole new element. I don't think that he's going to leave KD. I'm not sure that both of them are going to stay put, is where I am now. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I personally would not want to deal with Kyrie, but it sounds like the Nets may not want to deal with Kyrie either. Um, And if he's willing to cut his losses, then fine. It it puts them in a driver's seat in terms of what a team would want to give up to get him. Um, To me, the wild card now becomes KD more than Kyrie.
1: When you say when you say that he becomes more the wild card, and you mentioned Damian Lillard doing what he did on social media with the, uh, you know the the photo doctored picture of he and KD and KD wearing a Portland Trailblazers uniform, I mean Lillard doesn't do that just to get clicks, right? Like mm-hmm. there's there's a little subliminal mm-hmm. little message being sent there.
8: A hundred percent, and Dame's not a guy that does that, right? Yeah. But like this is the reality of the NBA NBA that we all love. There are what are you talking about? Five, maybe ten guys that can do this, and the NBA world is going to stop and move accordingly. So, I hesitate on whether Kyrie is one of those guys. The thing with Kyrie, obviously, is like I said, Brooklyn has the upper hand in terms of. Are right, you want out? Well, we get a chance to see what we want to get. But if Kyrie decides he wants to go to Portland between now and whenever, like that happens, and. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of us just looking
4: off <laughs> no you know what's so mm-hmm. crazy though with the, the the and monica wasn't you know monica was a, a probably five years old at this time scotty pippen it would feel like scotty pippen to the portland trailblazers for me you know that because he couldn't win by himself in chicago then he won with michael clearly but then when that kind of went south he wound up going to portland and it just—I want to see Katie stay with the Nets. If Kyrie is there, great. If he's not, bring somebody else to me. I'm not Key, going I'm to somebody you. again. I'm not—I'm not doing I'm, that if I'm him. I'm—I'm I'm with you, but I think uh, what's let's go with the vocabulary word: persnickety, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that—that that was a Georgetown word. I don't know that one.
8: <laughs> it's what? like, what's a fancier what? way of what? saying Moody, right? What? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I'm with you, Key. Like, I, and I part of me believes that the whole reason KD left the Warriors is this idea that he wanted to prove himself, doing it on his own. Yes, He's absolutely. Yeah. Perhaps, yeah. though, there's also room for a change of heart, and maybe this isn't as easy as I thought it was. The issue to me is the reports that came out this weekend that he doesn't necessarily like the way that the – um, next, are handling the Kyrie situation. So, does that then spoil him on the relationships that he has there? I personally think, and remember, before Kyrie was playing, like, we, were we four months out, six months out, if that, from K- uh, Katie putting up an MVP caliber um, performance before the injuries during the course of this regular season? So, I'm with you. I would like to see him stay. But, like I said, like, in this era of,
4: in these particular caliber guys in the league, Nothing would shock me. Yeah, see, but I don't. But see, Monica, I don't care if he leaves for basketball purposes, right? I don't care, me personally, because he's a hell of a player, he's one of the great. Mine is more about you left Golden State because you got trash. Now you're gonna do it again and go find a star. But I hear you, Keith. But I also know from everything
8: we've watched with Katie, he don't care. He will to do what he thinks he yeah. needs to do to achieve whatever his goals are. And that's just where, yeah, I'm with you, but the sports machine in our conversations are going to turn whether he stays or goes. So he might as well do what he thinks is best.
1: I'm telling you, that that, that's the most compelling thing the rest of this week will be that, is what happened with Kyrie and then the residual of Kevin Durant that follows after that. Monica, great to catch up with you. Thanks so much for the time. Key, this was a lot of
0: fun. Let's do it again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio